Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest Mayfair podcast. We're getting a bit of a head start. We're doing this on a Monday. We usually do it a bit later in the week. Uh, we're just doing it today because we're all here and because we have a head start on the scheduling so we know what's coming up um, and because Andrew and I are both here tonight working and Mel was here this morning because of March break. Yay, so we March can, break. Yay, March break. And so this was our first March break weekend with Paddington and Penguins. And it did really well over the weekend. Yeah. Lots of people coming in. Uh, Paddington, more popular than Penguins on the scale. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Um, I just watched Paddington moments ago, and it was great. It was really, really good. It's, it's one of those movies, too, where when I was writing stuff about it for Twitter or Facebook or whatever, it's got, like, a staggering, like, 99 slash 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Nobody has anything bad to say about Paddington. Yeah, I'm like, who's that one one bad review? I don't know who that... He can go home, he's drunk. <laughs> Someone who hates bears. <laughs> I've already totally typecast Peter Capaldi as Doctor Who, though, because he's in Paddington. Mm. And every time I see him, I'm just like, the Doctor, the Doctor's here to <laughs> rescue Paddington. Um, and the other little thing we got out of the way this weekend was... Um, my while I was working, my mom and Gwen did a cereal run yeah, for us. As I was leaving yesterday, they showed up with all the boxes. And it's so funny to think, you know, we put movie listings online or reviews online, but you you snap a photo of sixty boxes of cereal. People are drooling. And people are very <laughs> excited. People are very excited by this cereal. And people who didn't what is it, the fifth one? Wow. Uh, I think so. But but there was one um, wasn't too long ago the last one like two like back yeah in, like, after after Christmas it was right yeah. after yeah because we were either going to do it before or after Christmas and we did it like January second yeah. or something like that and uh, it's one of those things where it's it's like you you don't want to get too cocky and you don't want to like um, have people get bored of it but it's almost like man if we could do it every weekend but if we did it every weekend. 300 people would probably not show up every weekend. It wouldn't be as big of a deal because you have more options to come, whereas now I think yeah. you can make more of a this, is a... this is an event. We're doing this in three months, guys. Yeah, we do it quarterly. and uh, But the funniest thing is is last time when I went, and, and we always kind of, I'm you know cheap and savvy about it of trying to get cheapo cereal, so I try to keep it at like, because cereal can be really expensive. Like oh, it, God. It can be like $7 for yeah. like a sugary box of cereal. So I always like look for the sales, try to get them at like two ninety nine or so. But I went in, and without exaggeration, the last time at the same store, I bought fifty boxes of cereal because I just went through and there was the receipt. It's very long. Yeah, and and it was all stuff at like one ninety nine, two ninety nine, and I was waiting for to get like a a double take from the clerk or a question. Nothing, nothing. They don't care. Like no. You have a conveyor belt full of cereal boxes, and. You couldn't even... Yeah, no, like, <laughs> what are you doing? No indication that you even care. Why are you doing this? I thought I'd at least get to plug the theater. But Gro- like, grocery clerks are jaded. They've, they've seen it all. <laughs> yeah, they're dead inside. You can inside. at least justify with them that maybe you're not crazy. Like, don't worry, this isn't all for me. Nothing. Nothing. Oh, and I would say, I, I wish we... I think it's been quite a while now, but I wish we still lived in the age of toys and cereal boxes. Because we would be rich. We would, we would have, like... Fifty bo- We'd have 50 no room toys. in the candy bar to display anything else ever again. Yeah, we could just like give them out during, <laughs> during, to the to the kids as they come in. Uh, but but so that's that's on its way. That's next weekend, and people are asking us like, what's on the program? And we don't know because it's programmed for us. Uh, uh, and then it's I, I always kind of not look. I like to be surprised by the 
craziness of... I feel the same way about Saturday Night Cinema. Yeah. For the longest time, I would tell Lee not to tell me what it was because, mm. I, first of all, people are asking you all the time. So if you, you, know, you tell one person what it is, then you're telling, you know, however many people want to come what it is. So I'd rather just tell people, you know, I have no idea. And there's always... We're like, going to find out at the same time. It's one of those things like people, like, you know, a, 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 a big movie like Star Wars or even like if you're watching any kind of soap opera type show or something with cliffhangers, people always want to know what happens. I'm like, but you don't really want to know what happens, right? Like, isn't, especially when we do Saturday Night Cinema, that's part of the shtick is that you're showing up for a surprise film. Yeah, no spoilers, guys. And we won't give anything away. But inevitably, every time on Facebook, Twitter, wherever, people are like, what are you playing on Saturday? And I was like, well, I can't tell you. It's cartoons. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, or people don't understand, especially with Saturday Night Cinema, kind of the gimmick as well is that it's a 35 millimeter film print. Yeah, that's the key. And but we're not doing Saturday Night Cinema anymore, are we? No, because no. we've run out of... <laughs> we've run out, yeah. We've run out of options. Yeah, yeah. And, and people might not understand. And, and it's fine that they don't, because the same thing I always say, like, I don't know anything about running a restaurant. I don't know anything about a shoe store, mm. you know. But we don't have an unlimited amount of film prints. So it's not to say that it might not return someday because we might stumble on some more or... It's have, not that we don't like the idea or the yeah. thing anymore. We would like to continue doing something like that. It's just we might not be able to continue Saturday Night Cinema as it was. Well, it's like the other day somebody requested... So the, the good news is Friday 13th did, did pretty well. It, it did. It did great. It was like, you know, pe especially for a midnight show, which we've kind 65 of... 65 people. 65 people. Which is nice. Like our, our, it's always tough to say what our magic number is because it depends on popcorn mm. sales and memberships and stuff. But sixty-five is very good for a midnight movie. Yeah. And though, so people, of course, are like, "What are you gonna do next?" And you know, it's always fine people requesting stuff online, but people are requesting like the most obscure '70s horror films, and I'm like. I don't even think those are on Blu-ray, much less a <laughs> yeah. 35 millimeter print or a DCP. Yeah, I definitely you know? <laughs> understand wanting to watch your favorite weirdo movie on the big screen, but yeah, but we can't justify playing it for Five for people. just you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Mel and I and would, we used to do that all the time. All the time. Yeah, we would show you know Firewalker with Chuck Norris and Lou Gossett Jr. and it's like who's yeah. gonna come to this? <laughs> well, I remember coming to Midnight Movies, whatever three years ago maybe, and there would be 15 people in the audience, but then you'd kind of double check that. And you'd be like, okay, well, I'm here. I didn't pay to get in. I brought a couple a of our volunteers are here. Yeah. My girlfriend is here. Yeah. And you're like, okay. And then, Lee's introducing the movie. That's yeah. six people. Yeah. And so like four people paid to actually come see yeah. the movie. And so I'm sure people understand that we kind of are a business and have to pay bills. So when, you know, a mainstream movie, if you can call it a mainstream movie, like whatever, Grand Budapest Hotel, despite being in the local multiplex, comes here and does gangbusters, well then, you know, Wes Anderson will be on our radar forever. We and obviously we'll, have to think of him a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And, and or when anything with, you know, uh, we haven't done one in a while, but like documentaries or, or when, you know, if it becomes available, the next like Studio Ghibli film, that does well for us, so that'll be on our radar. Like, we like playing horror films and stuff. And, and there's been, I, I kind of say too, like I like watching old stuff too, but there's a point where I've seen it enough and I want to see the new stuff. Yeah. yeah. 
and and especially lately, like Baba Duke was so great, and It Follows looks really it, great. It Follows is getting very good yeah. reviews. Yeah, like like the Baba Duke. It's not just you know, you expect horror films just to get trashed, but when when they're getting really good reviews, that says something. Yeah, yeah, and and it's like being and the theme of it. It's is, very interesting. Yeah. It it's, looks like Twilight Zone episode. That's what yeah. I, when I saw the trailer, I thought it looked like a Twilight it's Zone. It's another, like Babadook, another kind of metaphoric concept. Yeah. You know, this girl has sex for the first time, and then she starts to get followed by some... Something. ...scary force. Yeah. But then another guy realizes, no, you have to, like, pass this on to somebody else so you can get rid of it. Which reminded me of, like, The Ring, right? Like... Yeah. Passing on the... Which I think yeah. existed as a as a trope before that, but like as a passing off the cursed thing on somebody else. So it looked kind of like like that kind of theme to it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's one of those. I remember that we had the trailer in front of Babadook, maybe, and I like heard oh, yeah. somebody sitting nearby me basically go like, "Oh no!" Like, not going to see that. But all that being said, yes. Despite you know old movies not doing the best and whatever, uh, sometimes we are playing Eraserhead on Friday. Yeah, another midnight movie. Yes, one of the original midnight movies. Yeah, I remember we because there weren't there aren't that many official midnight movies that had a successful run at midnight at a particular theater. It's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like when it when it was released, was it released like as a midnight movie its first go? Uh, I, I don't know. Out. I guess so. I mean, it was made totally independently at the... Yeah. David Lynch, w I think, was a student at the American... Yeah. The American Film Institute, and he shot it there. Yeah. And it, I believe it played at that one... There's this great documentary called Midnight Movies, and it explains how all these movies, like El Topo and Night of the Living Dead, Pink Flamingos, uh, The Harder They Come, would play at like, this one particular theater as a midnight show. And do really well. So, like, we do Rocky Horror, they would do yeah. Eraserhead? Yeah, That's like, awesome. we're the Rocky Horror Theater. Yeah. But if, if you try and, and, like, El Topo was, like, a big hit at midnight. And then they're like, well, I guess we can just release this as a regular movie in, like, Times Square doing, you know, daytime shows, evening shows. And that didn't work at all. Yeah. It's just some of these movies only work at midnight. Interesting. And Eraserhead's one of those movies. And it was, I remember that documentary, too. too. weird? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it was, uh, but even more frequently than, than here, because like we play The Room or Rocky Horror once a month or so. Yeah. But with them, it was, I believe, like every Friday, Saturday night at midnight. And especially before the days of like the VCR, um, it would be packed. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. every Friday night, people would come see it. And it would almost be like it was more of an excuse to go out and they'd go see the movie. And I think that's where the yelling and screaming and talking started mm. coming up where people were just... The Audience movie, participation. Yeah, the movie was the background and, the, and then they'd go out drinking before or afterwards or whatever, but it was a world where Rocky Horror would pack a theater once or twice a week or Friday, Saturday yeah. for, for weeks and months and months. And that's why they say it's hard to track the, the legit numbers of the Rocky Horrors, the Texas Chainsaws, because they don't have... Now it's it's so kept track of, mm -hmm. but they're like those movies made hundreds of millions of dollars in like if you do the inflation, they'd be right up there with a lot of these big budget movies, yeah. Because people just went every weekend over and over and over and over for like forty years now. Yeah, yeah. But Eraserhead, it, it's um, 
it's, it's again, if if people want us to play more movies like Eraserhead, come see Eraserhead. Come yeah. see Eraserhead. You gotta, yeah. you gotta support. You can't just be like, oh, cool, they're playing Eraserhead. So you <laughs> yeah. gotta like show that up. on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Shh, don't just like it on Facebook. Show up. Bring all your friends. Shut up and give us your money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so somebody on, on, on Facebook or Twitter was like, was like, oh, I'll, I'll pay more. I'll pay $15 for a ticket. And I said, well, the best we thing... We tried that once. Yeah. We, well, I remember once... <laughs> and it didn't work. <laughs> we tried this once where... This is a brilliant plan, by the way. I stole this from... Did you say that sarcastically? No. <laughs> no, no, because this, this has worked in so many I other... Were, I thought you were being sarcastic. That was a brilliant, <laughs> brilliant plan, plan, by the way, guys. And you failed. <laughs> I wasn't even working here then. Okay. Um, <laughs> if I remember this correctly, I stole this from a comedian named Paul F. Tompkins, who, if anybody listens to... Podca- he was on Mr. Show. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, and now he's like podcast king he's on mm-hmm. thrilling adventure hour he's on comedy bang bang he's got a couple shows on tv you know but he did a thing where he's basically like put your money where your mouth is so if you want me to come to ohio set up a facebook group talk to your local stand-up comedy place instigate people pre-buying you know whatever the like 75 tickets or 100 tickets and then i'll come like it's that easy mm-hmm. so people were dying to see a few different movies and we heard, Lee heard about a, this is back when we were just on the cusp of like film print slash DCP era. So there was a film print of They Live. This was during the fundraiser, wasn't it? Yeah, right around then, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And people were like, play They Live, play They Live. So the catch was we could get this film print, but there was a bit of extra cost because we had to like ship it here. Mm-hmm. And, but it still wasn't extraordinary. It wasn't like we'd have to sell, you know, 325 seats at 30 bucks a ticket. It was like, if we sell... I believe it was like 75 tickets at 10 bucks a ticket. So basically at our Standard non-member price. price. Yeah. Then that would break us even and we'd be happy just to do that as publicity. Right. So I took it on myself. We put it on Facebook, put it on Twitter, printed up some tickets and just very lowbrow. Like I did it off of our printer here, you know, and it was something like comically close, but like we sold 71 tickets and, but that was like, well, we failed, you know? Yeah. So then a little while later, we played it via DCP, mm-hmm. and we did again. We did very well, but we did we, a midnight movie. We did play. We did play it. Yeah, very soon, like like a little while after that. But we sold like seventy one tickets. Uh. So again, we were like, "Well, guys, we we just proved us wrong twice. Mm-hmm. Like we we proved that it did okay, but it would not have been worth our while to bring a film print in to absorb the cost ourselves." Yeah. Yeah, and and I remember that because I was working. Something happened, and I was working the box office because I wanted to watch it. And um, I didn't get to watch it because I was busy changing the marquee and all that stuff. And Gwen came to watch it with a couple of other folks, and she didn't like it. And I was like, well, that's it. This is done. (laughs) You know, like, people allowed to have different opinions, but if you don't like They Live, I can't imagine how... It's like liking Stephen Harper. Yeah. (laughs) This this, this is not going to work out. But 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 what is good is that you know, despite the, the 35 millimeter thing, and I love 35 millimeters as much as any other nerd, if you look at it glass half full and be like, it is horrible that the film prints are destroyed, it is horrible this, but that's happened. We can't change that. It is that. horrible, but if you accept that fact and yeah. look on the other side of things, we have access to a lot more than yeah. we would have yeah, had access to because those prints are either, you know, really, really poor quality, which people complain about, which yeah. is fair because you're, yeah. you're paying to see a movie, or just straight up not available. They live in somebody's basement or they don't exist yeah. at all. You yeah. Know? And it's like when we showed uh, Batman 66, I think 
most or part of the crowd, can, it's almost like that Quentin Tarantino thing of like doing a grindhouse movie and purposefully putting in um, uh, flaws and, and bad soundtrack and, yeah. and like missed scenes, like hiccups in the thing. So most people come to see Batman 66 and, and you do a little introduction and you say, this is an actual film print from a long time ago. Your and, grandpa probably watched yeah. this. And it wasn't horrible, but it was pretty bad. Like it was, it was the especially for a movie so bright and colorful. Like the 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 color looked really bad, and there was real comical things. Like they'd be like, like to the bat poles, and they would run towards <laughs> the bat poles and hiccup, and then they'd be in the Batmobile. So you missed like eight seconds of them going down the bat pole. Yeah. And we had a couple of complaints. Most people didn't care, but me as a business person, I was like, if I had the choice of the, the, the Sophie's choice of you can show it on film again or show a pristine DCP version, I'd be like, yeah, let's go no, with the I, DCP yeah. version, you know? I mean, it's nice that a lot of studios are making DCPs of these old films. Yes. Like Friday the 13th was a DCP. Yeah. Um, Texas Chainsaw? I'd, yeah, I'd prefer... It'd be nice if they could uh, produce, you know, fresh, shiny yeah, new I'd, films. Yeah, I'd prefer it if they'd uh, strike up a new print or have an old print that still looks, yeah. that still looks good available, but, you know... I'd rather have, um, you know, if the prints are in the garbage or, you know, look Which, like, like crap. Which, like, it was legitimately somebody's job to take a chainsaw out of film prints and mm -hmm. then hose them down once they were in pieces. Yeah, because uh, a lot of the studios, you know, there, there are people like us who, who love 35-millimeter film and we're all geeky about it. And then the studios, old 35-millimeter prints are just last week's newspaper to them. Like, yeah. it's not, they don't have, like, an arch archivist yeah. mindset about it. And that blows my mind that they didn't even, like seemingly didn't even attempt to be like, hey, Scorsese, hey, American Film Institute, hey, university film schools. This is a database of the art that you have produced. Do yeah. you want to we're, we're, preserve it? We're going to throw this out on Thursday. Does anyone want these? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I'm sure... Well, and even from a, from a greedy point of view, like... Like toss them on eBay or something, you know, and and well, but it, they I think... But they want to make sure that if you play it, you're paying yeah. them. You're paying them, them yeah. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, the, yeah. It's their, it's their garbage to... Throw out yeah, like they can't. They're, like they're not just going to give it to us. It's not. Ability. They're not going to like grad. They're not going to garage sale their yeah. <laughs> their property. <laughs> yeah, but that's why at least like you know Scorsese is so big on on film preservation or American Film Institute. I, like you would think that somebody would be you know. And, and to be fair, yeah, like a lot of the prints are just dead. You know, and 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 sadly, I remember we we screened. It seems so far far away now, but we screened one of the Harry Potters. Whatever the math is on oh this, like five years ago, so this I Harry, was yeah, <laughs> and so this Harry Potter had already been through the ringer and been played four times a day and whatever, and it was horrible. Like yeah. the poor thing was just eaten up, and and there was even a part for, like, a very long period of time. There was like two or three green scratches just down the whole thing. And I can't, I can't really blame the majority of the population for not caring about film when when that's what you end up looking at because the multiplex yeah. doesn't train their projectionist properly. Yeah. And they play them on platters which scratch the print and they're it's it's sort of there there's there are platter projectors. Uh, here we don't use those. We have the uh, reel to reel. The reel to reel. Yeah. Which is much better for, you know, playing the film yeah. keeping it, it without just keeps scratching it. In line it. And it doesn't twist it around so much so it can't like they're being played upright instead of uh, lying down. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's better uh, in terms of preserving the quality of the print. But most theaters, they were playing them on platters, which scratch them up over time. And Especially if they're not threaded properly. And then, yeah. then you get brain wraps. And that's how I learned. Yeah. Um, 
but it's definitely not. I mean, I've seen some some pretty fabulous messes come through from other theaters. Well, when we showed, I guess the last big 35 millimeter presentation we had, or one of the last was Interstellar, mm-hmm. yes. which was a rarity because it's a brand new movie. It was only available on 35 because Christopher Nolan's a real champion of 35. Yeah. But we got two prints, right? We got the, the one... The first print we got was crappy. not satisfactory for our needs. Which is crazy because it was, it was scratched. like... It had been out for a week and it was scratched and, and had all sorts of crappiness on it. So we, so we ordered a new one. From Toronto, and that one looked a uh, big difference, yeah. you know, night and day. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm, it was, I guess, because it wasn't played on a platter or something. Yeah. Or it was better, you know, taken care of, better threaded. We, yeah. we screened, oh, what was it? It was an Andy Warhol movie, Andy Warhol's Dracula. Oh, my God. Or something like that. And <laughs> it was, like, Matthew was projecting it, and it was, like, the worst film print in the history Matthew of film prints. Matthew had a lot of guts as far as... Yeah. as it takes what a lot he of. You gotta be, be willing to project. You gotta be brave to like like if you're printing. We actually showed a 35 millimeter print of Caligula, the big yeah. penthouse yeah. Yeah. thing, and that that print was pretty brittle and tricky, and it yeah. took a brave projectionist to run that movie. And and like I remember the Andy Warhol movie, you could just see it wanting to go, like you could. It was just shaking, going through the reels, hanging by a thread. And 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 I think Matthew said it broke, like. Twice during the show, so he had to stop and fix yeah. that, and it was just like I just you know poorly taken care of, played a lot, whatever. So in that case, obviously you're like, well, that's and even like a lot of stuff that's come through, whether it be like a Woody Allen film or Ferris Bueller. We showed a, a Ferris Bueller that I'm sure was screened about 300 times a year for the past 20 years, and it was just on its last legs. Yeah. But then we'll play like some. You know, mostly like a bad movie, or not a bad movie, but like a cult movie or a drive-in type movie. And there's one. Was it called Bubblegum Express or Gumball? Gumball Express. Gum is a, a car movie. Gumball oh, the Gumball. The Gumball. <laughs> Gumball. The Gumball Rally. Gumball Rally. That print. It was like we went back in time to like 1973 and took it off the assembly line. It was nuts. Yeah. Like it was just pristine. But you can imagine, you know, how how well that projection is. The projectionists back then took their jobs seriously. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, I'll never forget, like, the, the, the real thing lost now is that romantic sense of, which in, in a lot of professions, like, whether it's, like, assembly yeah. line for, like, cars or shoes or, you know, like, food production, all these kind of different things. But I always remember this shot in in uh, TV Ontario Saturday Night at the Movies. Mm-hmm. And there was this, this like, very romantic-y music playing and a foggy cinematography and this old guy, like, lacing up the film reel. Oh, my God. And then it going through, through, you know, inexplicable fog that's in the theater. That's exactly how I feel about it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now it's like, it's you push a button and we're good, you yeah. know? Yeah. So... Different, there, difference between, like, a, a big stove and a microwave, I guess. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but but then, again, like, I don't I don't trash it the way, like, a... a you know, 35 millimeter elitist might because I can appreciate getting a chance to see certain films that we wouldn't before. Yeah. And, and that's, that's all I just keep on thinking is that like when we're showing Blade Runner tonight or when we're going to be showing, you know, a Christmas movie, a Halloween movie, that sort of thing. Um, Even Star Trek two, like that might not have been available. Blade Runner was not available. We're showing Blade Runner tonight. And if, you're listening Thursday, to yeah. this 
if you're listening to this and it's like Thursday afternoon, it's yeah. playing, it'll run. be playing tonight, yeah. run yeah. to the theater, because yeah. we're only showing it for two nights. Blade Runner wasn't available for the longest time. Yeah. Even... Well, I we did it for cinema a couple months ago when we showed a, we were not allowed. A super, yeah. yeah, but uh, but technically, like I guess, um, the director's cut, one of the newer cuts, whatever, wasn't available at all. So now there's a DCP of the final cut that yeah. we're going to be showing. And I did, I forgot about this, but it's interesting. You could find reviews of the final cut specifically because putting up a review of Blade Runner is a little bit of a of a twist because this is a pretty it's the same movie but not but I found two reviews um, one from Roger Ebert and Roger Ebert gave it, gave it a perfect rating four I stars think, see this is this is um, a, a definitive cult movie in that um, Blade Runner came out in 82 nobody went to see it mm-hmm. nobody cared I don't know what the reviews were like um, I'm sure they weren't all as warm as they are now. Yeah, Ebert said he kind of kept it at arm's length and like yeah, I think he appreciated liked, it, but he liked the look. He liked you know um, the visual, the visuals of it, uh, the art direction, all the all the technical stuff. But the script, I think, kind of was like eh, I don't know. Yeah, mm. and it's funny because I love the narration, but it's because of what I grew up with. So the first time I saw the director's cut, it just felt empty to me. I was like, where's all the narration gone? Why did you take that out? But I appreciate that that was put there by the studio and that was not the intent of the original Mm -hmm. story or direction of the film. It's nice that there are different versions that you can can pick your favorite. Like, uh, I have a a Dawn of the Dead box set where there's like four different versions. There's like a a, the theatrical version, there's a, a version that's like ten minutes longer, more of a rough cut. Dario Argento uh Oh, did yeah. his own cut of the film for uh, Italian, the European market, yeah. which uh, cu- uh, makes it, uh, it's, it's a tighter cut, it's more action-oriented, it's got more of Goblin's score in it. Right. Mm. And uh, there might be, like, a Japanese cut, and it's kind of cool to, like, you know, mm-hmm. pick your yeah. favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, like, often when movies come out, the director's cut, it's almost like a band. Like, when, when, a, when a lost album comes out, often that was lost for a reason. You know, like a, those, those couple of secret songs that came out on the Beatles' whatever anniversary it was, they probably weren't released before because John and Paul and Ringo and George went, oh, it's okay, let's not put it on the album. Yeah. And so sometimes a director's cut or a... I remember for a long time on DVD, they would just make stuff up and it would be like the fill-in-the-blank cut. And yeah, it's it would, gotten out of hand now. Yeah. And that it's not... Director's cuts aren't really director's cuts anymore. They just take deleted scenes and yeah. fill them in and make a longer version just to sort of remarket it on DVD. Yeah, and like I, I loved um, the forty-year-old virgin, loved it. Mm-hmm. And then I watched the whatever they called it cut, and it was just they just put all this other stuff in, and it went from and you know Judd Apatow kind of shoots long, so instead of being a two-hour comedy, it became like a two-hour and twenty-minute comedy. Yeah but it felt like it. Like, every joke went one beat too long. Yeah, you can tell what, what the deleted scenes are, like, especially with a comedy. Like, um, yeah, Jada, I like Jada Pateau's movies, but the, they are a little too long. Yeah. And you can kind of tell, oh, okay, this is obviously a deleted scene because it just doesn't need to be there, and it's going on way too long. And Or, like, I, I think it's funny now how the original Lord of the Rings trilogy was, like, whatever, three hours theatrical and four hours... Uh, for DVD, and the way that the trend is going now, I'm like, if Peter Jackson had been doing that movie now in the post 
um, Hunger Games world. Like eight hours. Yeah, they would have just put out six Lord of the Rings movies called Part One and Two. It would have it would have been like Goodbye, one week of your life. Yeah, it would have been like <laughs> Two Towers, Chapter One, Chapter Two. Enjoy being a virgin. Yeah. <laughs> because now it's, it's <laughs> the forty-year-old virgin. Yeah, the, the forty-year-old virgin version of Lord of the Rings. And Lindo is like I'm. I'm in the grand minority because obviously those are like beloved movies for a generation. But I've, I've never been into like swords and sorcery. Like my, I'm, me neither. I'm Star Wars. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm Star Wars, Star Trek. Even as a kid, like, like a book like Lord of the Rings. There's two ways you read it. Either this beautiful, like your father or mother reading it to you before bed, and you have this association with it in your That's imagination. How I read the Hobbit. Yeah. yeah, we didn't read it before bed, but it was my stepdad's copy, so it was like you know, I had yeah. like those cozy feelings. Or you read it in high school with a gun to your head, <laughs> and your friend going, "This is the best book ever. You have to love it." So that's how I read it, and it was like like turning each page was like a like a Fred Flintstone tablet page for me, and I was just it took me forever to get through, and just all these big words I didn't understand. So the movies I I didn't hate, but the movies. Only the three-hour versions, I was like, oh, my God, this is a lot of walking around. This is a lot of, you know. So, I've I, like, the four-hour version, I can't even imagine, but... My roommate used to marathon yeah. all of them, and it was exactly like goodbye one week of your life. Yeah. It was like, yeah. oh, Yozel's still doing that. On the <laughs> other hand, like, on the flip side of that, um, sometimes you know, a longer version is better, like, like, case in point, uh, Once Upon almost a Time, famous. Almost Famous. Actually, I think I prefer, I always thought that I preferred the longer version of Almost Famous. I gotta watch that movie again, because it's been years. Um, I think maybe the theatrical I might prefer. Hmm. But, it, I don't know. I like, I do like... We don't have to fight about it. Oh. No, no. you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it has, uh, the, the uncut version has more of, um... It's called oh, it's Untitled. And Montreal actor, um... Jay, Jay Baruchel. Jay, yeah, and explains his character way more. It's true, yeah. Uh, because in the, in the... In and the, it's called Untitled. It's not called Almost Famous. It's called Untitled. Untitled, yeah. Yeah. Which, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I like that. The, uh, it's... I, one, once Upon a Time in America... Yeah, sorry. Yes. Sorry. Um, that movie was butchered. They made it shorter. They, mm-hmm. you know, rearranged the scene so that everything was, like, the narrative right. was all screwed up, and it was, you know, they felt it had to be um, chronological, which it didn't. And uh, now, like, uh, there's, like, a four-hour version, which yeah. is the definitive version. And, and it's four hours, but it's not goodbye the rest of your life. It's a beautifully, you know, flowing. It, it's four hours, but it doesn't feel like four hours. It well, feels I, like 90 minutes. Yeah. I really like the four-hour King Kong from Peter Jackson, but I fully admit it's because I love dinosaurs, and it might just be because there's way more dinosaurs in it, <laughs> like way more dinosaurs. And yeah. I was like, how could you cut out so many dinosaurs <laughs> from your movie? So I'm completely jaded on that. Yeah. But that's a cut that I actually liked just fine as a four-hour cut. Um, but It's all about pacing. It's not... Yeah. When you think of three hours or four hours, a three-hour, four-hour movie, you think, oh, that's long time yeah I don't, that's a whole day i don't know if i have the time i don't know but then people t- will turn around and marathon a couple episodes of a tv show yeah yeah, yeah if, if you watch three episodes of um house of cards that's a three-hour movie right there or you know people do worse than that people like spend a night watching a whole bunch of american idols or something like that yeah that, that's a movie <laughs> so you'll watch six lot. hours of crap yeah you won't <laughs> watch you know three Invest. hours of Three hours artistic in. masterpiece. Yeah. yeah. Well, and sometimes though, like I remember, uh, blue is the warmest color. 
mm-hmm. which I read the comic book first. And the comic book's like this like 90-page comic. So I was like, how are you going to turn this into a three-hour three movie? Hour movie, yeah. And, and I believe in the UK or in Europe, overseas, it was... It was cut up Kill Bill style, I believe. It was oh. like it was like volume one, 90 minutes, volume two, 90 minutes. Interesting. And, but I sat through that movie and it was like uh, eye blink. Like like the three hour, mm-hmm. the, the credits rolled and I was like, wow. Like I didn't feel, I was never bored. I was never mm. uncomfortable. And so sometimes you can really get lost in a three hour movie just fine. Yeah. And vice versa. I remember we did this crazy thing one night where we did a 24 hour overnight around the clock. Oh, yeah. VHS Film Festival. And I remember Lee had initially thought he was going to start it like at 9 p.m. till 9 p.m. And then I said, I said, my humble suggestion was, I, I know other people did this and they start early, like start at 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. Because then people can like sleep in till 10 a.m. or till noon, whatever. Come at noon, start watching, and then you go overnight and then next day you can have a matinee at four and then continue. Yeah. It doesn't eat up too much of your time. So I only came, I think because I was working elsewhere, but I only came for the first, like, two or three movies. And one was... Right here for the Vanilla Ice movie. The Vanilla Ice movie was one <laughs> of them that I was dying to see. One was, like, a caveman movie. And then one was about, like, a, a, a kid-friendly, horrible movie about a little baby Sasquatch. Oh, yeah, the, with Meatloaf. Meatloaf was the, in the, it. The Yeti or the something? The Yeti, yeah. And wow. he was, like, hunting the Yeti. So it was, like, it was like a... Like a and sometimes when a movie's super short, that's suspicious because you're like, okay, they just went, okay, this is 70 minutes with five minutes of credits. That's technically a feature good enough. So this movie was like 75 or 80 minutes. And I'm sitting up in the balcony watching it. And I'm not kidding. I'm not over-exaggerating. It felt like an hour went by. Oh, wow. And I looked up at our clock and it was like 17 oh. minutes. And I went, oh my God, <laughs> there's so much more of this movie left. There's like half an hour in Boyhood where I felt that way. Yeah. I think it's because they included the music from the credits. Uh, oh, okay. You know, about two hours into the movie, and I was like, okay. We're, we're done. done. Yeah. Oh, no, there's still another chapter. You know. Are you talking about the end where there's that extra, where you think it's going to end with him driving driving his truck, mm-hmm. and then he, he and then shows like up. Yeah, I, trailer music. Yeah. I was like, okay, we're good, but then I still had like another that hour or so me. to go. It didn't bother me. It was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it just like... I, during that little chunk of time, I was like, okay. This Sometimes has to when end I'm, now. it's bad when I'm not, when I'm working and I'm not watching the movie. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's it's kind of long, but I, I don't know when it's going to end. Yeah. And it's terrible with movies that have 20 endings. Yes. So I'm like, yeah. okay, so I got, because I got to be in the theater to yeah. open the curtain, open the door, let the audience out. So, I'm, so I hear, Cue and music. movie, there's this generic ending music that yeah. a lot of movies have the dun 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 yeah, you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you you wait to hear for that the movie's over music and it's like okay so i'm hearing that music and then it's like dun 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 and then another scene i'm like when is this movie going to be over it's got or 20 endings or then you have endings. a movie like Jour et Nuit where there's absolute silence yeah yeah nothing you just hear the sound of people's footsteps in the theater getting up to leave mm-hmm. yeah we're showing citizen 4 right now and there's a lot of silence mm-hmm. And and that even kind of screws me up because I'm th- I'm not watching the movie. I'm outside the theater and I'm like, is d- d- is there something yeah. wrong with the sound? <laughs> yeah. Is the movie still Did playing? Because that's happened to us a couple times. So when I hear, I get really suspicious when I hear silence. I'm like, uh oh, nothing's like, happening. I better check on the movie. There, the last Woody Allen film, the one with uh, Emma Stone, it was filled with. It was like what was it, 1930s? I guess. Mm-hmm. So a great like 1930s score, but at the like you know. Woody Allen's movies are never too long, but at the like between the eighty-minute and the hundred-minute mark, 
ten times you think it's the end of the movie, and yeah. it just happened over and over. Oh, oh, no, no, still going, still going. And it just keep it kept tricking you over and oh, over and over again uh, because it just, yeah, it had that, that, that cue, like, oh, we're done. Yeah. But the worst is vice versa. We were screening... Uh, Woody, I think it was a double bill, but we, we screened Maltese Falcon, um, and after it, a Woody Allen movie that skips my brain at the moment that starts with the Maltese Falcon, like it starts with him watching the Maltese Falcon. So we oh uh, play it again, Sam. Play it again, Sam. Yeah. So so we we screened Maltese Falcon, finished. Then I was like talking with Matthew, and then the next movie starts, and it's Maltese Falcon again. And you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> it's and the I, wrong movie playing. And I ran up to go, you didn't change the film reels. And right then, the camera pulls back, if I remember correctly, and it's like Woody Allen watching the movie on TV. Oh, my God. <laughs> but the funny thing is how your brain can be tricked because it was a different aspect ratio and stuff. Because it was like, oh, yeah. like, like widescreen kind of cut into it. But I totally thought the movie just didn't get switched <laughs> over and we were just going to play it twice in a row. Or anytime a movie starts silently... My heart stops oh, for a minute, yeah. but I'm like, no, you, 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 you should always have to start with like a 20th Century Fox drum roll, just to, so you know. Anything, yeah. And sometimes it, we started in silence and ended in silence. Yeah. And both, every single time we played it, it screwed me up a little bit because yeah. I thought we had screwed up. Yeah, there's no sound on this thing. Yeah. I'm going to have to get up and narrate, <laughs> translate it with, oh, no, there's subtitles, it'll be fine. We just yeah, read along. Yeah, I'll just read the subtitles out loud in different voices. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so tonight we have Blade Runner and Selma, and Blade Runner is one of our like we're because we're doing a, by happenstance doing a few like we said Eraserhead, we just did Friday Thirteenth. We got the room on uh, on Saturday. The room. Someone I I someone posted or emailed me and said that Tommy Wiseau right now has a new TV show on Hulu or something like that down in the states. He had that thing he shot called The Neighbors. Is it a short film or a TV show? I, I, Apparently it's a TV pilot, but it's just this pilot, and there's a there's a review of it on on uh, theavclub.com. Yeah. Um, so it it exists, but I don't know if you can find it. Is it like online. yeah? It's weird. Somebody somebody speaking, pointed it speaking out. Speaking of which, I was on uh, I was on Facebook last night, and there's a um, you can buy the room script now yeah. off of TommyWizzo.com, mm. and you can tell that Tommy Wizzo wrote the ad. Yeah. Because he. There's this really bizarre commercial for the room script, mm -hmm. where the, where it's basically, see, there is a script for this movie. See, and, uh, and there's all this behind the scenes footage, yeah. where like every time you see someone holding the script, there's a there's a circle that shows up and a boom, boom, zooming in like boom. See, there's a script. Boom. Script. There's script. 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 Yeah. And then there's one shot oh where Tommy's wearing like a uh, a sleeveless shirt. It keeps zooming in on the script, like, boom, script, boom, script. And then there's a close-up of his bicep. <laughs> and, it, and it zooms in on his bicep. Does boom. he then stick the script? Yeah. No, no, no script. It's just boom, script, boom, script, boomed. See, Tommy has biceps. What? Yeah. Is he oh just defending the thought that the movie was so bad there's no script for it? It seems, see, I thought, see, um, let, me, let me see if I can find it here. But he seems, it seems to be a rebuttal to something that was bothering him. Right. And I think what it is was... There seems to be a lot of things in his life. Um, I'll find it here. He was basically saying, see, there really is a script. And, uh, yeah, here it is. The Room. Script exists. What about that? Shame on you. You know who you are. Seventeen ninety nine. Free purchase with underwear. Free underwear with purchase. 
Free underwear, yeah. Free, free underwear, underwear with purchase. Because um, there's Tommy Wiseau underwear. Yeah, Which, yeah. yeah, we have stockpiles. If anybody ever uh, feels inclined to wear some unisex Tommy yeah. Wiseau Some underwear. jockeys. Um, I actually have a so, pair on right now. Uh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Does he just send, like, a a photocopied script of the, or photocopied copy of the script? I, I guess, but I mean, th- this isn't like a new thing. See, I thought he was, he was, him and Greg Sestero were always having like an on and off yeah. working relationship. They have a serious love-hate. They yeah, love to hate and, and Greg Sestero came here yeah. with, to, with his book and did, did readings of the script. So I thought that was him, Tommy Wiseau, saying like, uh, shame on you, Greg. Right. But apparently uh, there's a room documentary and the filmmaker, uh, Rick Harper, said mm-hmm. to me, that's all, that's all directed at me. Apparently, weird. Because I don't know. Maybe he leaked the script, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder how so many the, people. So the script will... is available if you want to read it. I'm, I'm always fascinated. Like when he came here, they were selling stuff hand over fist. Like whether it was like uh, and dirt. cheap, yeah. dirt cheap. But but then it, like he kind of got left in our lobby, and people were coming for like the normal movie the next day and being yeah. like, "Why are there underwear on your wall?" Yeah, he took over the entire lobby with underwear and t-shirts and stuff. Like yeah. like a crazy uh, like gypsy um, yeah. flea market. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yep. But it's fascinating. That, like we, you know, made a few attempts at different midnight movies, uh, and people were really excited about um, Fateful Findings, which did really well one night. And Another then, crazy. Per- well, I don't know yeah. if if, if um, Neil Breen. Neil, Neil Breen. Breen. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. Th- he doesn't seem crazy, but he like he, like his films. He definitely has a crazy vision. He seems yeah. like a normal person on yeah. the phone. And yeah. I think he's a real estate agent in real life. So no, he's he... an architect. Oh, okay. Yeah. A he very did successful. real estate for a while, but he's a very successful Las Vegas-based architect. So yes. he had. He must he be had... like able to be normal. At least. Yeah, like Tommy yeah. Wiseau, independently wealthy, so he's able to finance these crazy films of his. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when we had him here, we did the old Skype on the big screen. And he was very yeah. cool with everybody, very appreciative. But the movie was just nuts. Like, the movie was very... I, I'm glad I... I wanted to... Co- I, I came to see it the first night because I was like, this might be the start of something. I want to be like, I was there the first night. And it wasn't. And yeah, and then we showed it, I think, three times and it did really well once and then that yeah. was it. That Same was with it. Miami Connection. Ma- yeah. Which is, which is my favorite of the... I love it. Yeah. I love Miami Connection. It's so interesting, like, just the luck of the draw. Like, none of these movies are better than any other. But what catches on, you know? Even, yeah. like, Sharknado was just once did really well and then kind of went away. It, it, it's, it's, you know, it's... The word cult film gets attached to hundreds of films, but it's really a minority of, like, what a fan base will get connected to for a long time. Stick to, yeah. A lot yeah. of it has to do with timing, I think. Oh, yeah. Timing is, is huge, obviously. Yeah, like, in, in an alternate universe where, whatever, the, re- the review didn't get made up for the room we'd be talking about some other bad movie right now and Tommy Wiseau would never have been heard of. Mm-hmm. It's all just yeah. that, that amazing... Like, that show business. Run Lola Run aspect of, of filmmaking life of like, well, you got a good or bad review and that's it. Now, you're, that's now you're running that coattail for a decade. <laughs> but uh, I think we might have to wrap up soon. I actually think I just heard someone rattling at our door. <laughs> yeah, we gotta, we gotta sell tickets for Selma. To get in. <laughs> but we should mention, uh, starting this Friday the 20th, we have some new films, Escobar, Paradise Lost. Mm-hmm. Yep. With uh, Benicio del Toro and the blonde kid from uh, The Hunger Games. From Hunger Games. Yeah. I forget his name. Josh Hutchinson. Hutchinson. Uh, Mr. Turner returns and Exodus with Exodus. Christian Bale. So, c- so come, see, come see Blade Runner. And, and then Pride. Come, and then come see... And Pride, yeah. 
uh, Tony, or not Tony Scott, Ridley Scott's newest film, Exodus, which is another film that supposedly is two and a half hours long, and there's a four-hour cut coming. Mm -hmm. So come see the two-and-a-half-hour version, and then watch the four-hour one when it comes out on Blu-ray in a little while. And Into the Woods continues. Yes. Two-and-a-half-hours. Two-and-a-half-hours. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's, so uh, we're going to go get ready to... Uh, we're going to pop popcorn. Pop popcorn yeah. and watch Selma. Find us on Twitter, uh, MayfairTheater.ca, and uh, Pot Potomatic is Potomatic. where this is hosted, but it's uh, our podcast is on iTunes and Stitcher. And say nice things about us on iTunes. Mm -hmm. And come say hi. Yeah. yeah. Come they give us a hug. <laughs> Don't hug me. No hugs. <laughs> hug Andrew. Okay. Uh, high fives only. <laughs> okay, bye. Get more out of life. Go out to a movie.